Well, today we begin a new three-part series called All I Want for Christmas. Let me ask you this morning, if you could have one thing and one thing only for Christmas, what would that be? A new car? New house? Exotic vacation? What, what, if you could have that one, only one thing for Christmas, what would that one thing be? I'm going to tell you something about myself that most of you probably don't know. When I was 13, I wanted to be a cowboy. And you imagine pastor as a cowboy. But when I was 13, I wanted to be a cowboy. I, I wore Wranglers and boots and cowboy shirts. Um, I had two horses. Um, we lived in the country. All my friends were uh, cowboys who lived in the country. Uh, we rode horses. We dreamed of being ranchers and rodeo stars and veterinarians. We hunted. We fished. When I was 14, I asked my mom and dad for a 20-gauge shotgun for Christmas. Now, you have to understand that my folks didn't have a lot of money. They pastored a very small church, and dad was bivocational. He had to work as well as, as pastor a church. And I knew that asking for a shotgun was a financial stretch because, because there were four kids in our family, and like I said, we didn't have a lot of money. So I remember saying to my mom and my dad, all I want for Christmas is a 20-gauge shotgun. You don't have to get me anything else, just the gun. And for weeks before Christmas, I sang this same tune to them over and over and over. All, that's all I want for Christmas. Well, Christmas finally came and our family was sitting in the living room and the presents have been passed out and everybody is opening their presents and my siblings are opening really nice gifts. Me, I have two small gifts to open. And I open them and they are underwear and socks. Just what a 14-year-old wants. And after all the family had opened all of their presents, my mom stands up and she says, is everybody happy? <laughs> and everyone says, yes, thank you. Oh, this is what I want. Oh, I got what, thank you. Oh, everybody is happy. And I say, yeah. <laughs> Tears in my eyes. About that time, I look up and I see my father coming through mom and dad's bedroom door carrying a 20-gauge shotgun. That was meant for me. Title of this series is All I Want for Christmas. And in this series, I want to share three different things that I would ask for if given the opportunity. Today, I want to talk about all I want for Christmas is for Jesus to be the main attraction. Let me remind us that the purpose of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter number nine and verse number six tells us, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, 
And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, And she, speaking about Mary, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. All I want for Christmas is for Jesus to be the main attraction. Think about it for a moment. How how would you like to have your birthday celebrated the way that most people celebrate the birth of Jesus? There's a party, but he's not invited. Actually, he probably wouldn't be too comfortable at most Christmas parties today. There are presents, but none of them are for him. There are people, but they are so busy with their own family, with their own friends, that they totally ignore him. Yeah, for most people today, they have totally lost sight of what Christmas is supposed to be all about. So busy with their parties and their presents and their people that Jesus is no longer the main attraction. For most, he is weighed down on the list, and for many, he's not even on the list. So today, I I want to give us five very practical things that we can do in order to make Jesus the main attraction this year. And the good news is, and that is that this is only the eighth day of December, so it is still early enough for us to implement the five things that I'm going to suggest to us today. First thing we must do is, we must readjust our focus. If we're going to make Jesus the main attraction, we're going to have to readjust our focus. See, see, society tries to blur our focus. Satan uses society to try and get us distracted, and he's very sneaky and he's very, very, very subtle. And the devil has used society to blur our focus of Christmas. It's now mostly about Santa and reindeer in the North Pole. It's about parties and presents and people. It's about shopping and swapping. It's about the tree and the lights and the tinsel. It's about food and friends and family. It's about the in-laws and about the outlaws. Satan has used society to blur our focus. Now, please, please, please hear me this morning. I, I'm not against all of our Christmas traditions. I, I'm, not, I'm not fighting Santa or snow or sleighs. Well, maybe snow. But what I am saying is I am saying that it's time to bring Jesus back as the main attraction of Christmas. I should not allow Satan to blur our focus. Paul said, Paul said about a man named Demas, one of his major ministry partners, Paul writes about him in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 10. Paul writes and he says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. Evidently, Demas allowed the, the devil to distract him and to get him off course and to get him off of the main path. Oh, the glitter and the glamour of this old world somehow caught his eye and his focus became blurred. I challenge all of us here today to readjust our focus. Listen, listen, and I'm not just talking about Christmas this morning, but I'm talking about every part of our life. See, when our focus becomes blurred, we don't see clearly and we become an easy mark for the enemy. 
So let's readjust our focus today. Let's make sure that our eyes are totally focused on Jesus. Second thing that we need to do in order for Jesus to be the main attraction at Christmas time, and that is we're going to have to regulate our activity. Regulate our activity. We all live very, very busy lives, especially in the Metroplex. We, we are, we're just always on the go, 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 go. I mean, you know what? We even have a day off, and, you know, we just spend it going here and there and somewhere. We don't know how to slow down. We don't know. We all live very, very busy lives, probably, probably busier than God intended them to be. And then you add to this. All of the possible activities of the Christmas season in our lives can very quickly, absolutely get out of control. Decorating and shopping, you know, I just get so distracted with those things. (laughs) Parties, traveling, kids' Christmas practice, kids' Christmas programs, and the list just could go on and on and on and on of all of the possible activities we could be a part of. No wonder people lose their focus and Jesus gets pushed further and further and further on down the list. Here's what I know this morning, and that is this. Regulate your schedule or your schedule will regulate you. See, you just can't afford to say yes to everything and to everyone. I'm going to give you permission this morning to say no to some things this year. Say no to some things so that you can say yes to Jesus. Say no to some things so that you can have time for Jesus. Hey, it's his birthday, remember? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, Paul cautions us. He says, be careful how you live. He says, do not live like fools but like those who are wise, who make the most of their time. I encourage you to ask yourself some questions this morning. Ask yourself, what is most important? What, what is priority? What is most important in my life? What are my priorities? What, ask yourself, what can I postpone until after Christmas? Ask yourself, what, what's the value in this act? They want me to be a part of this. They want me to be a part of this activity. What is the value of this activity? Ask yourself, does it bring me joy? Does it bring me satisfaction? Does it bring me fulfillment? Ask this question this morning. What value does my participation in this add to somebody else? See, it's not just about adding value to your own life, but it also is about you adding value to somebody else's life. So there are some things you need to say no to, but a whole lot of things that you need to say yes to. Why? Because, because you say yes to those things, you are adding value to those people. Ask yourself, what value am I adding to Jesus and to his kingdom if I'm involved in all of these Things, ask yourself, am I so busy trying to please people that I have no time, no money, or energy that I might please him? Third thing we can do in order to make Jesus the main attraction this year, and this is most important in the entire message, and that is renew our sense of appreciation. See, time has a way of causing us to lose our sense of awe. See, there's some things that you were awed about in your life five years ago, and you're involved now, and it's a part of your life, but it's just no big deal anymore. 
I mean, once there was a time when you said, oh, if I could only be involved in that. Oh, if I could only be a part of that. Oh, if only that could happen. And it has happened. But time has a way of causing us to lose our sense of awe and our sense of appreciation. It's true in our marriage. It's true in our jobs. It's true with our career. It's true in our relationships. And hear me, friends, if we, if we allow it, it can become true with our Savior and with our salvation. So from time to time, we need to renew our sense of appreciation. It's true in every single facet of life, but especially when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. And I ask you this morning, what better time is there than Christmas for us to readjust our focus and renew our sense of awe and our sense of appreciation for Jesus? Let me remind you this morning that Jesus was the greatest gift ever given. You can think of some of the great gifts that you have received in your life. I told you about the shotgun. That was awesome. That was incredible. And for a 14-year-old young man who didn't think he had a chance in the world of having and owning that, man, when they handed that shotgun to me, man, I'm telling you, they almost handed me the world. But let me remind you that even though we've received a lot of good and great and awesome gifts down through the years, oh, Jesus was the greatest gift ever given. Oh, John 3, 16, I could quote it every single Sunday. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but could have everlasting or eternal life. I ask you this morning, friends, where would we be without Jesus? Where would we be without Jesus? What would our lives be like without Jesus? Think of all that he has saved us out of, but also what he has saved us from. Some of you were bound by various addictions, but Jesus delivered you and he set you free. Some of you were headed to the divorce court, but Jesus put your marriage back together. Some of you were eaten up by guilt or regret or condemnation or lust or greed or jealousy, and the list goes on and on. But Jesus came along and he rescued you. Some of us have served Jesus all of our lives. When I was four years old, I told my mom and dad, I'm going to be a preacher and I want a pulpit my size and a Bible for my fourth birthday. Oh, preacher, that's just kid stuff. Well, here I am. Some of us have served Jesus literally all of our lives, but yet... Lest you become too pious and too, you know, super spiritual, I ask you this morning, where could we be without Jesus? Oh, a lot of people could stand and testify and tell us all that Jesus saved them out of. But I wonder this morning for some of us that have served Jesus all of our life, what has he saved us from? Where could we be? What could our life be like? What could we be involved in? How entangled could our, and what a mess our life could be if we did not know Jesus. What has he kept us from? 
My challenge to all of us this Christmas season is to renew our sense of awe, renew our sense of appreciation, renew our love for Jesus. All, All that I want for Christmas is for Jesus to be the main attraction. But I tell you, this will not happen unless we renew our sense of appreciation for him. Oh, why don't we just take a moment this morning and let us give him some praise and let him give it, give let us give him some recognition, some appreciation in this house. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. The fourth thing I'd like to encourage us to do this Christmas season is to resist the pressure to compete. See, for some... Christmas becomes just a big family competition where family members gather to compare the gifts that they've given and the gifts they have gotten. And the sad, sad thing is that some family members will no longer show up at the family meeting because they cannot keep up with the rest of the family and they feel embarrassed or angry or disrespected and they're just tired of the show and tell. Second Corinthians 10 and 2, Paul writes, and he says, it's unwise to compare ourselves with others. Let me say this morning, competition has no place in Christmas. We need to remember that Christmas is not about the gifts, but about the gift. 2 Corinthians 9 and 15, Paul writes and he says, thank God for this gift. Speaking of Jesus, and he says this gift to wonderful words. I challenge you, resist the pressure to compete. And I would also say this this morning, that if your system in your family, if your system is set up where some of your family members could get their feelings hurt or somehow feel inferior, love your family enough to change the system. Love your family enough to change the tradition. Make the setting and the process to where every single family member can feel comfortable. All I want for Christmas is for Jesus to be the main attraction, not trees or tinsels or toys, not people or presents or parties. The fifth and final suggestion that I have for us today is this. We need to release ourselves from guilt. Release ourselves from guilt. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 16, he says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink. What? Paul said, it's amazing what we condemn other people for and we do something far worse. We're very selective with our sins, aren't we? Pride is a sin. Self-righteousness. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for celebrating or not celebrating certain days or religious holidays. See, see, no matter how hard we try, we cannot please everybody. 
as a pastor, I can't please everybody. I, it, it's amazing. It, you, know, we've, you know, people, you know, I've often thought about the fact that people, oh, I, oh, man, that church split. I can't believe that church split. Can you believe that church split? You know what? I think the greatest miracle is the church don't split every single Sunday. <laughs> How many generations do we have in this house this morning? And every generation has their own way. And every single generation wants it to be their, their way. I mean, you know, pulled here, pulled there, pulled there, pulled there. I mean, it's a wonder. I'm not pulled apart. I'm not complaining this morning. I'm just telling you it's the truth. No, but no matter how hard we try, we cannot please everybody. And, and, and that, that's true in every part of life, including Christmas. Here's what I know. All we can do is all we can do. I often tell that to my wife. All we can do is all we can do. I tell my staff sometimes, especially Sean, when we meet in our, our debrief meeting on Mondays, all we can do is all we can do. But I'm telling you this morning, all we can do is all we can do. You know, parents often feel guilty because they can't give their kids what other parents do and give to their kids. And so often out of guilt and sometimes out of pride, these parents will max out their credit cards on gifts they cannot afford to give. And then later, they become depressed and even angry when the bill comes in and the kids have already stopped playing with the, with the expensive toys and gadgets that they got them. Our granddaughter was at our house last night, Eliana, that, that granddaughter, eight years old. My wife had some empty boxes laying around. Because she had stuff that she had unpacked for the ladies' things yesterday, and she needs to pick them back, pack them back in there. And Eliana wanted to play with the boxes. And I said, because Papa's always messing with her, she does, still doesn't know Papa's humor. She still, I still have to tell her I'm teasing. But I said, hey, I said, Eliana, I said, Papa has a really, really good idea. This year for Christmas, instead of buying you presents, Grammy and Papa's going to give you boxes. She said, no, 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 no. <laughs> she said, I'll tell you what you can do, Papa. You can put my presents in the boxes. Then I will have the presents and the boxes. <laughs> Some of you are all stressed out about all the, all the latest gadgets and all the latest things to give your kids. And about 30 minutes after they get them, they're going to be playing with the boxes. Or maybe you feel guilty because you cannot say yes to every single invitation to parties and gatherings and special events. Yeah, see, okay, Landon, you said it's the most wonderful time of the year, and it is for you and it is for a lot of people, but I'm going to tell you, for far too many people, Christmas is a real drag. Oh, it doesn't start that way. It becomes a real drag. Its demands nearly pull them apart. And before the season is over, they are totally stressed and ready for it to end. Do not let this happen to you this year. This season is just getting started. It's just the 8th of December. The season is just getting started. You still have time to readjust your focus. You still have time to regulate your activity. You still have time to renew your sense of awe and appreciation. You still have time to resist the pressure to compete. You still have time to release yourself from guilt. You still have time to make Jesus 
the main attraction of Christmas this year. The takeaway for this message today is this, for Jesus to be the main attraction of Christmas, we must remind ourselves that he is the person of Christmas, the priority of Christmas, and he should take preeminence at Christmas. Let's make Jesus the main attraction. Lord, we love you today and we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us enough that you were willing to lay aside all your rights and privileges as God. And you were willing to come and to be born as flesh and to taste and to see and to smell and to hear and to feel every every emotion and every circumstance and situation of mankind. You were willing for the Son of God to become the Son of Man, to be born of poor parents, raised in near poverty, knowing that you were not born to live, but actually you were born to die. Your life was all about becoming the substitutionary sacrifice for the sin of man. Jesus, we remember your birth and we make you the main attraction in this room today. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this room this morning, I wonder if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Yes, Christmas is about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the reason for his birth For him to pay the price for the sin of the world on an old rugged cross. He came, he lived, he died. He bore our shame. He bore the punishment for our sin. Have you received him into your life?